0: hello there and welcome to episode four of the or so she says podcast my name is narissa Shea, and i am a personal trainer eiq certified nutritionist yoga instructor sport and exercise psychology consultant and a professional irish dancer Here we are lads, episode four. We made it to episode four. Apparently most episodes don't make it past episode three. So we are hashtag winning. Okay, so this podcast is entitled Fat Loss 101 but actually I would rather have called it Health 101 but it is less catchy. So before I jump into this podcast today where we are going to cover everything And I mean everything you need to know about fat loss. I want to chat a little bit more about the thinner is better narrative because most of the people listening to this podcast probably grew up bombarded with the same kind of media I was exposed to from a young age. And I don't think we actually realize just how ingrained in our psyches some of these narratives still are. So I actually put up this post yesterday and it got a lot of traction on Instagram. I said, do you think being skinnier will make you happier? Very cutthroat question, by the way, which, by the way, the answer can very much be yes. But I beg you to ask yourself, why do you think it will? Is it because society has bombarded us with the narrative that smaller equals better? especially when it comes to women and their bodies is it because you think that if you look a certain way and start getting more attention from the opposite sex or the same sex that that will in some way shape or form validate you do you think that by having rock hard abs that in some way makes you more superior to someone else None of it matters if you don't work on what's on the inside. There is a shit ton of insecurity hiding behind those chiseled abs that you see on Instagram. Or is it for health reasons? Do you simply want to feel a bit better, live a more active lifestyle, move around a bit more and have more energy? There's no right or wrong answer here. It's just really important to realize why we are doing something and why we think we want to achieve something. I actually talk about this a lot in the How to Cultivate a Winning Mindset episode, so if you haven't listened to that one, I highly recommend it. But to stick with this topic, now, some may say it's well for you, Nerissa, you've always been quite lean, so therefore, in the eyes of society, I've been in a socially acceptable body. I'm using inverted commas here with my fingers, you can't see me, but I am. But here's the twist. I haven't always been in a socially acceptable body. Now, maybe my body type at the moment is fashionable. Thank you, Kardashians. I joke, by the way, having an arse and hips and a smaller waist. But by God, this was not fashionable when I was a teenager dealing with horrific body image and being bombarded regularly with pictures of six foot models, wafer thin, straight up and down like a pole. Someone actually said to me the other day, heroin chic. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that was the era that we grew up in. So the 1990s look suggested that women should be extremely thin with bones protruding out from the skin, collarbones, ankle bones, and other protrusions were glamorized. And this ideal included height in that women who were very tall were considered more beautiful. So think like Kate Moss. Now, Narissa being five foot nothing was never going to look like this, but by God, I tried. I base a lot of my life choices now around how I want to feel, not look. I ask myself regularly with anything I'm doing, why am I doing this? Am I enjoying this? Is it benefiting me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? If the answer is yes, then I crack on. If the answer is no, I examine. Hence why I decided to give up the drink. The answer was no. It wasn't serving a purpose for me anymore. I just could not see any benefits in it anymore, so I stopped. When it comes to fat loss, the irony is though, when you start implementing all the things I'm going to talk about in this podcast, you end up leading a healthier life and no one can deny that that should be a goal of everyone. And then when you start ticking off the boxes, ironically, the aesthetics usually follows. Okay, But health is at the forefront of my coaching. I work predominantly as a fat loss coach and I have coached a lot of men and women in how to lose body fat. Although really, I would rather give myself the title health coach, but once again, not as alluring for people. The science behind it does not actually take a wizard to comprehend and honestly if you can understand energy balance you are fucking flying it. But how come even when people hire the best coach in the world, they buy all the equipment, they get the plans, they're so driven, they still fail? They either don't start at all or they give up quite early on. What is the difference between someone succeeding with a fat loss goal and someone not? Well I wish I had a more comprehensive answer here but from what I can gather it is a mixture of things mainly all related to mindset. Dieting starts with mindset. As I said if you haven't already I highly recommend listening to episode 3 where I discuss all things mindset. I could write an entire book on things that impact people's goals but the main ones I tend to see quite early on with the people who succeed and the people who don't succeed are certain traits So victim mentality, instant gratification, negative thinking, catastrophizing, all-or-nothing mentality, perfectionism. These are the top things across the board that I would notice get in the way of people's goals. Now this list is like only very, very short, like there's a lot of things I could have included in here, but just for the sake of this, this is not the topic for today, that is for another day. They're just the main ones that I would point out, really get in the way of people achieving their goals. Something I notice quite early on though, when dealing with clients is that it is the clients that come to me with an extremely strong association with why they are doing something that tend to achieve their goals. There's nothing wrong with wanting to lose fat but tie it to something that means something to you. It really will be the difference between you giving up when times get tough or whether you find that inner strength to push through because you know what is on the other side. So how does all of this link back to the title? If you answered yes to the above question, I beg you to dig deep and ask yourself, why? If you have a strong why and have a valid emotional reason as to why you want a smaller body, then absolutely crack on. And if it is for health reasons, then that should be a strong enough why in and of itself. I don't often chat about BMI and weight, but what I will suggest is that you do pay attention to particular markers of health, because being quite overweight does come with an array of potential health risks, and that is not something to shy away from. And something I am not okay with is glamorizing obesity. Raised BMI is a major risk factor for non-communicable diseases such as cardiovascular diseases, mainly heart diseases and stroke, diabetes, musculoskeletal disorders, in particular osteoarthritis and some cancers. So as much as I am a huge advocate for body positivity, okay, I refuse to stand back and see obesity glorified either maybe you won't be actually dealing with any risks of heart disease or anything now while you're a little bit younger but you have to think 10 years down the line 20 years down the line a lot of the time what we're doing now is setting ourselves up to have a more enjoyable future like I only said to my mom the other day I was like I want to be still hiking and everything when I'm like 70 and 80 I see people hiking up Glendalough they're definitely in their 70s. They're definitely in their 80s. Not a bother on them. They might have their little sticks to help them, but they're absolutely flying it up Glenlock And I'm like, that's what I want. I want to be swimming. I want to be surfing. I want to be hiking. I want to do all these things that I love doing now. I want to still be able to do them when I'm 70. So it's not just a matter of what I'm doing now, serving a purpose now because I want to look a certain way or I want to feel a certain way. I'm doing it now so I have a better life later on down the road as well. Because in the blink of an eye, we're 50. In the blink of an eye, we're 70. And like what you're doing now is going to impact your quality of life later on down the road. So here's your homework. Write down your goals. Ask yourself why. Ask yourself why again. Ask yourself why again. Ask yourself why again. Then maybe, just maybe, you found the real reason why you were doing it. So with all that in mind, let's get stuck in to fat loss 101. So when it comes to fat loss, or mass gain or anything. You need to understand energy balance. It's really funny. I get so many questions about stuff all the time. Is it bread that's making me fat? Is it this, is it that? Should I go low carb? Should I do this? And I send people to watch this video I put up about energy balance probably about a year ago. Now the video is about 10 minutes long and it's hilarious because I know for a fact no one watches it. And I just say, you're willing to try all these quick fix diets You're willing to try all of these different things but you won't watch a 10 minute video that if you can actually get your head around you will completely understand why in this life you ever gained weight, you ever lost weight or you ever maintained weight and it's all down to energy balance and if people could just understand energy balance they're already off to a winning start. Yes there are a couple of different factors that come into play and I will talk about them a little bit in this podcast but none of them are self-fulfilling prophecies. There is no getting by the energy balance equation. If you ever lost weight in your life, no matter what you did, if you did keto, if you did low carb, if you did intermittent fasting, if you did any of them, it worked because you were in a calorie deficit. And I will explain what a calorie deficit is if you don't know what a calorie deficit is. So let's talk about energy balance, and I beg you, As much as people don't want to listen to the education part of fat loss, they just want people to tell them what to do. I'm banging my head against a brick wall sometimes going, if you just understood energy balance, you would stop wasting all your money on these quick fixes and you would understand the science behind why anything works. And then you wouldn't buy into all these stupid shit quick fixes that people are shoving down people's throats. The reason why Slimming World worked for anyone, it's not because of sin-free food, it's because you were in a calorie deficit. And a lot of the sin-free food is actually very low calorie food, hence they created a deficit, okay? They just approached it in a different way, they marketed it in a different way. It was a calorie deficit. So you can tell I get a little bit like, amped up about this, mainly because I was someone who bought into these quick fixes for years. I swear to God, there was one time I was taking green tea tablets and I was 100% sure that it was these green tea tablets that were making me lose weight. It wasn't the fact I was literally having a smoothie in the morning and some chicken and rice in the evening and I was out cycling for an hour a day. I was in a huge calorie deficit, but I was like, nah, you know what? It's definitely these green tea tablets. And then I studied nutrition. And then I learned about energy balance and I was like, ah, so that's why that worked. <laughs> anyway, let's get stuck in. Energy is measured in those things we see pop up everywhere called calories. And all food contains calories, even broccoli. Shock horror. The amount of energy, right? So say fat you store long-term is dictated by the amount of energy you consume. And the amount of energy you expend when it comes to fat loss notice i say fat loss here and not weight loss i will do a whole podcast on the difference between weight loss and fat loss because it's really important to know that even though we all get so fixated on the scales what that scales tells you and relying on what the scales tells you especially if you are a woman is not helpful anyway that's podcast for another day when it comes to fat loss if you eat or drink more calories than you burn you are going to gain fat if you burn more calories than you eat or drink you're going to drop body fat if you eat or drink the same amount of calories that you burn your body fat levels will stay the same so we have energy balance and on one side of the energy balance equation we have everything we eat or drink now that side is pretty easy okay that's one side of the energy balance equation it's the other side of the energy balance equation that people don't understand they think the calories burned is just what they burn in the gym i know i used to think this i used to be like i have to burn like 700 calories in the gym because my dinner was like 700 calories and I'm like oh my god I was so wrong (laughs) so your total daily energy expenditure is on the other side of the energy balance equation so remember calories in is food and drink anything you put in your mouth get your head out of the gutter (laughs) and anything on the other side is your total daily energy expenditure which is the amount of energy calories that a person expends carrying out physical functions both consciously and subconsciously. So here we go. It's not just the calories burnt in the gym. There's four parts to this, okay? And the one that burns the most calories every day is your basal metabolic rate, which is the total number of calories your body needs to perform basic life-sustaining functions like breathing. Okay so the best way to describe this is basically if you were to lie down and not move all day the amount of calories your body would need to just keep itself alive and respire and all these other things it needs to do to keep you alive that's your basal metabolic rate. That is how many calories your body needs just to stay alive every day and it actually Accounts for about 60% of your total daily energy expenditure, which is a lot. It's the one that requires the most energy. The next thing we go to then is your NEAT activity, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is the energy expended for every single thing you do when you're not sleeping or exercising. So the best way to describe this, and I'm gonna go into a bit more detail into all of these, but I'm just giving you an overview first, is walking, fidgeting. Literally anything you do that involves movement and uses energy is your neat activity. And it's an important one when it comes to fat loss because people tend to overemphasize the amount of of calories they burn in the gym and under-emphasize the importance of their neat activity when it comes to fat loss. Which then brings me on to your eat activity, which is your exercise activity, thermogenesis, which is exercise type of activities like running, weightlifting, hit, etc. Whatever you like to do for exercise, swimming, things like that. Um, and as I said, people focus so much on this area and they always think that the sole goal of this is to burn as many calories as possible it's just not true what you should be doing is focusing on your calorie burn in your neat activity and using your eat activity to build and maintain muscle no matter what age you are no matter what gender you are You should be trying to either build or maintain muscle. And this is especially important for women going through the menopause. I'm going to talk about this when I talk about the training section at the end. But just please know that the importance of your exercise activity thermogenesis, it's not about the calorie burn, okay? It's about building and maintaining muscle. And the last one then, which not a lot of people know about, I didn't actually know about this until I studied it, was the thermic effect of food. So this is actually the energy required for the digestion, absorption, and disposal of ingested nutrients. And it is just one of a myriad of reasons as to why a high protein diet is important. And I will talk a little bit about this further down the line. So let's just recap there. On your calories inside, you have everything you eat and drink. And I want to highlight here, liquid calories count. Okay, people tend to track all their food and not track the liquids they're drinking. And actually, like whether you're going to Starbucks and getting your double caramel, mocha, latte, bente, whatever, whatever. You'd be surprised how many calories are in that. And you're probably actually better off having a sandwich. Or on the flip side, you're going and you're like, I only had like three or four vodkas last night. Track it, (laughs) track it. And you'd be surprised how many calories are actually in just a couple of drinks or a couple of pints. So that's calories in, calories out. We have basal metabolic rate, meat activity, eat activity and the thermic effect of food. So let's talk a little bit more about basal metabolic rate. So it's safe to say that when you look at the table of our total daily energy expenditure, basal metabolic rate accounts for a huge amount of that. Okay, as I said, it's about 60% of your total daily energy expenditure. And this is the amount of calories, as I said, that your body burns at rest. So actually, and here is where I tie it back to why we should all be trying to build muscle and retain muscle. People who have increased muscle mass will have a slightly higher basal metabolic rate because of the amount of calories muscle uses even at rest. So this is just one of the myriad of reasons why I recommend strength training for people, especially if they are trying to drop body fat. One kilogram of muscle burns about 10 to 15 calories per day. And fat, I think it burns around four to five times less than this. Like, it's not a huge amount, but in the grand scheme of things, it helps. Every little helps. So the way I would describe this to someone, and it's why if you're someone who goes by the scales, you're probably a little bit confused. If I have two people and they both weigh 60 kilos, but they look completely different, okay? Okay it's not people always are like oh muscle weighs more than fat no it doesn't they weigh the same that's actually impossible did you ever hear that riddle about like a kilo of feathers or a kilo of rocks which one weighs more it's like well they're the same yeah exactly because they're both kilo however muscle is more dense than fat so if i had five pounds of muscle in my hand and i had five pounds of fat in my hand the five pounds of muscle looks smaller hence I have two people who weigh 60 kilos. One of them looks smaller. It is because they have more muscle mass in their body, okay? And actually, the person who has more muscle mass in their body could probably get away with eating more food because their basal metabolic rate is higher. Now, without overcomplicating things too much, that's mainly the reason why when you see these people on instagram and they're like what i eat in a day and they're like size six and they're eating three thousand calories okay i hate these what i eat in a days i hate them when they don't give you the context as to why they are consuming this amount of calories like what in god's name does someone eating three thousand calories being a size six tell someone who's 100 kilos trying to drop body fat and they're wondering why they're on 2000 calories you know like it's context and it's important and it's why that really triggers me on Instagram but anyway the whole point of that is they're probably like they're all muscle okay which means that and they probably have a very high activity level as well along with other things so just don't be caught up with how come that person is on like 3000 calories but i'm trying to drop body fat and i'm on like 1700 okay there's a lot of other factors at play but that's one of them okay so when it comes to basal metabolic rate a couple of factors that impact your basal metabolic rate are your age your sex your body size your body composition your physical fitness your dieting history your ethnicity, your hormonal status, and your genetics. Now, there's a lot of things there that we could dive into, but the one thing I wanna highlight here is the genetics one. People are like, oh, I'm just, I have bad genes, so I can't drop body fat. Right, here you go. Firstly, it's worth pointing out, various studies have shown that the mindset around dieting far outweighs the impact of genetic makeup. So therefore, why do a DNA test to find out if you are predisposed to it being harder to lose weight? Is this not a self-fulfilling prophecy to an extent? Reaffirming your belief that something is fucking hard doesn't make it any easier. And if you want it, you have to be willing to work for it. So yes, certain gene variants have been linked to being overweight or obese. And this does result in an increased drive to eat and or a reduced drive to move. Those who have one copy of the risk mutation variant weigh on average, wait for this now, 1.5 kilos more. Those with two copies are on average three kilos more. That is not a lot. Three kilos is six pounds. It's less than half a stone. It's not a death sentence. Like this is not an astounding amount of weight and shouldn't be treated as such. Your actions and your behaviors are what contribute to your overall health. So it's important to build better habits. And if it matters to you, I do genuinely think you will try your best to adhere to things most of the time, but it has to matter to you. As I said, you have to have a strong association with your why. Another thing I want to touch on before I leave basal metabolic rate is people tend to think that our metabolism slows down with age, but this is actually not true. It's more so due to reduced lean body mass okay so what happens is like gonna call a spade a spade here people get lazier as they get older and they don't like when you're in school you're doing all these sports and you're doing all these things that you're active all the time and all of a sudden you start working maybe you work an office job where you're doing 60 hours a week and you're not doing any activity like you're not building any muscle you're not maintaining any muscle you're not doing any resistance training you're not doing any exercise so you're actually losing muscle and you're probably not eating enough protein so by losing muscle and losing this lean body mass you're actually affecting your basal metabolic rate which is you want to say slowing down your metabolism that's the easiest way to explain it the other thing is sex so females tend to have a five to ten percent lower resting metabolic rate than men of the same height and weight not fair i know but as i said same thing when it comes to genetics your approach to this can either be oh because it's harder i don't want to do it or it's like okay it is harder for some people and something i like to point out here is i like to refer this back to dancing some people are natural dancers and some people aren't but some of the best dancers i know weren't natural dancers but they worked so hard because they were so determined to do well and succeed in it that they end up being some of the best dancers I know now and it's not because they had the natural ability it's because they worked their fucking ass off to get there. So body size is another thing that comes into play, like smaller people have less tissue and require less energy. So the best way I can describe this is if I have a 50 kilo person and a 100 kilo person, the person with 100 kilos requires a lot more energy to just stay alive. Okay, so this is why your calories would be higher and still in a deficit if you are in a larger body. Now, the other way to describe this is if I had someone who is 50 kilos and someone is 100 kilos and they both walk 100 meters, the person who is 100 kilos is going to burn a lot more calories carrying out the same activity because you have to think about it. Think logically. They're carrying 100 kilos weight. And this is another reason why people get very hung up on what other people are doing in the gym. And I'm like, but to a certain extent, strength is relative. Someone who is 100 kilos is carrying around 100 kilos of their own body weight every day. Whereas someone who's 50 kilos is carrying 50 kilos body weight every day. You're not going to go in and expect the person who weighs 50 kilos to throw 100 kilos on a squat rack and be able to do a one rep max. like they, That's double their body weight but you might be able with like enough training, someone who's a hundred kilos and is quite strong can probably throw a hundred kilos on and they are essentially squatting their body weight. And maybe 50 kilos to the hundred kilo person isn't that hard, but to lift 50 kilos and be 50 kilos, it's a hell of a lot harder because it's your body weight, you know? So strength is relative in that respect as well. And um, so it's just this is just another reason why you shouldn't compare your journey to anyone else. Like because like if you have two people who are completely different makeup body composition wise, they can't do the same thing and expect the same results unless they literally have all these myriad of factors that are the exact same. So that's basal metabolic rate. So now I'm going to move on to meat and eat activity. So this is going to differ day to day and people tend to underestimate the importance of neat any activity carried out outside of intentional exercise, like cleaning, cleaning is a great workout, and overestimate the importance of eat. Intentional activity, going to the gym, also a great workout, but many people feel this is where they burn the most calories when in fact it makes up one of the smallest components of our total daily energy expenditure, and thus why the goal of training should not be to burn as many calories as possible. Train smarter as opposed to harder, okay? So this brings me on then to the last thing on this is the thermic effect of food. So this is the percentage of energy consumed, expended in digestion, absorption, and the disposal of ingested nutrients. So this is another reason why a high protein diet is recommended for fat loss because carbs use five to ten percent fat uses zero to three percent and protein uses 20 to 30 percent okay i'm going to talk about protein a little bit more because it's so so important but just know this is just one of the reasons why we are trying to increase protein especially if we're in a fat loss phase so the take-home points when it comes to energy balance is you need to focus on what you can control and let go of what you can't like you can't control your basal metabolic rate you know but what can you control here you can control your activity levels you can control how many times a week you're going to the gym you can control your knee activity like increase your step count it's important to know that energy balance doesn't run on a 24 hour clock so it's important not to look at things solely on a daily basis and look at things like weekly monthly averages so whether it is your calorie target your step count goal anything try not to tire yourself of just thinking of it on a daily basis because life happens it gets in the way you shouldn't let a bad day turn into a bad week turn into a bad month and so on and so forth so set yourself like weekly goals and look at things from a wider perspective You might do like 15,000 steps today, but maybe you only do 5,000 tomorrow and maybe you're beating yourself up tomorrow because you only did 5,000, but you've still racked up a 10k average there. And that's actually what's more important. It is your consistency over time that is going to get you to your goals. Consistency is key and it is consistency over perfection every damn time. I got a message off a client this morning who said they absolutely did the dog on it last night and went for a couple of drinks, stopped at McDonald's, X, Y, and Z, so on and so forth. And I just said, it's fine. Did anyone die? No. Draw a line in the sand. It's done. What's more important is what you're going to do today, not what you did yesterday. You can't change that. You can't change the past, but you can decide what you're going to do going forward. You can either press the fuck it button and just write the week off, in which case you're just gonna continuously keep stalling on the way to your goals. Or you draw a line in the sand and you get back to it. It's only halfway through the week, you still have the other half of the week. And it is your averages that are more important anyway. Things don't happen overnight, like that works both ways. Like fat loss and fat gain. Have you ever stepped on the scales after a night of drinking and realized that you're down like half stone? hate to burst your bubble that's not fat loss like you're extremely dehydrated from the alcohol that's literally all it is you'll probably find then you jump up even more the day after that like don't stress either it's probably not fat gain you're holding on to water it's water retention because you were drinking two days before that like that's really important to realize things don't happen overnight so that's energy balance. On the energy in, we have food and drink. On the energy out, we have our basal metabolic rate, our neat activity, our eat activity, and the thermic effect of food. So, when it comes to actual nutrition, you've probably heard about macros. And if you haven't heard about macros, you'll know what I'm talking about the minute I start talking about them. So, macro is short for macronutrient and they are the three categories of nutrients that you eat the most and provide you with the most amount of energy. And these are protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So when you're counting your macros, you're actually counting the grams of protein, carbs, and fat that you're consuming. And then people say, ooh, so calories don't matter. I just track my macros. Calories do matter. In the simplest terms, fat loss happens when you, burn more calories than you consume. Macro counting just helps you kind of understand where those calories are coming from. So a good app that I use with my clients is MyFitnessPal. And there's another good one called Chronometer, I think it is. And, but what I would recommend here is do not go by the calories that MyFitnessPal sets you when it sets it up. They are absolutely awful. Like they're way too low. They don't take into account your activity levels and stuff like that and even if they do they get you to track your exercise which then you end up eating back calories and just my advice is either hire a coach to calculate your calories or go online and find a good calorie calculator input all your information and figure out your calories the best way to do this is to find a good total daily energy expenditure calculator Get your calories, put yourself in a calorie deficit of approximately 20 to 25%. That is not too low. And it is a sustainable calorie deficit, especially if you want this to be a long-term thing. So blanket recommending everyone 1,200 calories is fantastic for those PTs who could not give a flying fuck about their clients and they just want to get good before and after photos. It is a very unsustainable calorie deficit for most people. So just know that, okay? Just putting it out there. If your PT or your nutritionist, or I highly doubt being a nutritionist has you on it, but your PT or someone has you on 1200 calories and you're fucking starving, question it. So this brings me on to macros. Protein, oh, I love talking about protein. It's probably the macro that gets the most airtime, for want of a better word, and rightly so. So people think, oh, protein, hashtag gains, and I only need protein shakes if I wanna be a bodybuilder in the gym. No, protein has many essential roles in the body, including cell and tissue growth, regulation of DNA, transport, structural components of cells and tissues, immune functions, Cell function, hormones, to name but a few. Like protein impacts so many things in the body. So it is safe to say that protein is important. And you've probably heard about how important it is in relation to the hashtag gym gains. But protein is actually the building block of muscle. And it is so important for muscle tissue repair. It's also super satiating. It keeps you full longer which is why it is so helpful if you are trying to maintain a calorie deficit you should be aiming to have protein at every meal you should be basing each meal around a protein source so how much protein should you actually be having so the RDA of protein is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight but that is like not really a sufficient amount especially if you're training if you are resistance training, it is recommended to aim for between 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. And this is especially important for the aging population to ensure they are getting enough protein. I swear to God, I look at my mom's diet and I'm like, I swear you didn't eat like any protein today while she's snacking on bread and jam. And I'm like, do you want to put a bit of a protein source there with that like? And she's just like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 I'll have something at dinner. <laughs> there's a lot of things that come into play when it comes to protein, okay? And I could literally do a whole podcast on this. But there's a couple of different factors. Firstly, you want to make sure that you're getting enough protein in every single day. That is the most important thing. The next important thing you need to realize is that each serving of protein needs to be at least 20 grams. And I don't mean 20 grams of chicken. I mean, you need 20 grams of protein. So you look at the back of a packet of chicken and write, okay, 100 grams of chicken is usually about 25 to 30 grams of protein, I think so you want each serving of protein to be at least 20 grams and the reason why is because in order to trigger the leucine response you need for muscle protein synthesis it needs to be 20 grams so the first thing that's important is getting enough protein in every day because you don't store protein you need to hit your protein every day the next thing is making sure each serving is over 20 grams now The best way to do this as well is protein timing. So actually like spacing it out throughout the day as opposed to having like 100 grams of protein at dinner, 20 grams at breakfast and absolutely nothing in between. You kind of want to be spacing it out throughout the day. So my usual go-to to say to people is, can you try and have three meals and one snack or two snacks? incorporate at least well i actually say to my clients 25 grams or 30 grams of protein that way they are usually always hitting over the 100 gram of protein mark um and then it's just important from like keeping yourself full as well you'll find like when you increase your protein intake it's not going to make you bulky the only thing that makes people bulky is a calorie surplus if you're eating more calories than you are burning then you are going to bulk and by the way talk to anyone who is trying to bulk it's a lot fucking harder than you think (laughs) anyone in my life who I've come across who's actually in a bulking phase they said it's the hardest thing they've ever done they said trying to eat that many calories and trying to get all the training in, and they're just not used to eating that level of food, it's actually very, very hard. So, this brings me on to carbohydrates. Larissa, can I still eat bread? Yes. Bread doesn't make anyone fat. Can I just clarify this from the get-go? Excess calories makes you gain body fat. Bread, in and of itself, (laughs) It's not the devil. Bread doesn't just decide like, oh, okay, we're going to just completely store ourselves as fat. Like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we're going to just stick to all these fat cells and like this person's gonna gain weight only from eating us and it's not from all the excess calories they're eating from other things. Which is usually when people are like, I'm eating so healthy but I'm not losing weight. And I'm like, okay, but let's track your calories for a couple of days and we realize they're in a calorie surplus or they're at maintenance. So it's it's finding the fine line between yes, making sure that you are in a calorie deficit, but it is important what you're consuming as well. And I will talk about that a bit at the end. So carbohydrates, the love of my life. Carbs are not essential for survival, hence the popularity of like low carb diet, no carb diets. Keto, oh, did Keto twice wanted to die. It was just horrific. Like why, why would you cut out such a beautiful part of life? Past is literally the love of my life. There is a huge difference between like surviving and enjoying life, okay? So carbs don't make you fat. As I said, eating a calorie surplus of anything is going to make you gain body fat. Most people lose weight quickly on a low carb diet for two reasons. Firstly, you have cut out an entire macronutrient from your diet and thus creating quite a large calorie deficit, meaning you are essentially eating less calories. Also, carbs retain water. This is not a bad thing, okay? And actually, if you understand how creatine works, it works quite similar. Um, One gram of glycogen, so one gram of carbs stores three grams of water. This isn't a bad thing. And actually, if you're going by measurements and not weight, your measurements won't change. Like, your measurements might be coming down or might be staying the same, but maybe your weight goes up in the scales if you eat a lot of carbs. That's not fat like it's your body just holding on to some water so if you cut carbs out of your diet initially this is what happens when people first start keto is you lose a lot of water weight which may i point out is water weight and not fat loss hence when they start eating carbs and stuff again it just the weight comes back on so why cut it out if you don't need to like if you like carbs why cut anything out of your diet i always say to people don't think of a pink elephant what do you think of pink elephant so like it's the same when it comes to dieting people cutting every single thing they enjoy out of their diet of course they're not able to keep it up like um and the last thing I want to touch on then briefly is fat so as someone who used to run away from anything that had a high fat content for years that fat made me fat um I can attest to that being completely incorrect and it actually plays a very important role in overall health so realize that fat is another crucial macronutrient and we shouldn't fear it okay fats play an essential role in our bodies they're a source of energy they play a role in the absorption of fat soluble vitamins and they provide essential fats low-fat diets aren't always like ideal but low-fat products however can be hugely helpful if you were trying to stay in that thing I keep talking about a calorie deficit because they contain less calories that's why so it's important just to realize without getting too technical here when it comes to fats what you're trying to aim for is um, more polyunsaturated fats or monounsaturated fats things like avocados olive oil and like oily fish things like that like the healthy fats for one to a better word so when it comes to macros the macro composition might not be essential for fat loss like when it comes down to it can you drop body fat eating mcdonald's all the time yeah absolutely if you're in a calorie deficit will you feel like absolute fucking shite 100%. Are you going to want to train if your diet is made up of shit food? Are you going to want to go for extra walks? Are you going to feel good? No, you're going to feel like shite. So the overall composition of your diet, like the food you eat, is extremely important regardless of your goals. Fat loss, mass gain, maintenance, doesn't matter. Yes, it's a calorie deficit that you need for fat loss, but what your diet is actually made up of is going to hugely impact your behaviors and how you're feeling so a diet with optimal protein fiber and polyunsaturated fats are going to support optimal health and also body composition so from a weight loss perspective yes it is essentially down to energy balance calories in calories out but your overall health which is vitally important Entails the consideration of macro and micronutrients. I do have some bad news. Unfortunately, alcohol is a macronutrient and contains about seven calories per gram. I urge you for the crack, right? If you download my fitness panel, you never even use it, or you just Google this. Calories in a pint, calories in 350 milliliters of vodka shoulder bog standard pre-drinks back in the day you won't be too shocked to realize why maybe you gained a couple of pounds in college (laughs) and if you're someone who's out every Friday and Saturday and you've noticed that you know your weight is creeping up on you a little bit I urge you to look at your alcohol intake and I'm not saying this to not drink I'm just saying like people tend to look at alcohol like it's empty calories and that you know it's just a liquid but chances are if you're someone who's gained a lot of body fat over the last few years and you're someone who quite enjoys a drink a lot of your calories are probably coming from alcohol and this leads into this mentality of starving themselves Monday to Thursday like having salads for dinner and lunch and having fruit for breakfast and then Friday Saturday Sunday literally doing the dog and drinking everything inside and eating rings around yourself but you can't understand why you're not dropping body fat you are completely negating the calorie deficit that you created during the week and it's just not sustainable So if you're constantly jumping on the diet starts Monday bandwagon and you can't understand why what you're doing Monday to Thursday isn't working, I urge you not to place so much emphasis on what you're doing Monday to Thursday and start looking at your weekends. It's the cold hard truth, but I wish someone had said this to me years ago. So I'm just going to be open and honest about it. (laughs) Like it's not that I'm telling you not to drink, but just know like when it comes to things like this, like knowledge empowers you so knowledge is what empowered me so it's about making just better choices and just being a bit more aware and taking responsibility for the choices we do make and not feeling so powerless when we're in a situation where we feel like we're trying our best but nothing is working if you understand everything I'm talking about in this podcast then you'll finally understand why maybe things aren't working for you And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So like either hire a coach if you have no interest in learning about any of this or just educate yourself on it and then you can coach yourself. Like most of the time when you're hiring a coach, you're not hiring them to calculate your calories and macros and do your training plan. You think you are, but what you're actually paying for is someone to be accountable to someone who has all the education there so you don't have to go and research it, and someone who's gonna pick you up when you fall. That is ultimately what a coach is there for, They're there to be your number one supporter. So I'm gonna briefly touch on the training, but I'm not gonna go too deep into this, I'm just gonna highlight once again why everyone should be lifting weights and strength training. Will lifting weights make me bulky? Get asked this all the time, no. Many people, especially females, are afraid that if they lift weights, they're going to get bulky, right? Gain a lot of muscle mass, which inevitably changes their physique into what they may view as undesirable. And this is just not true. Okay, as I said before, the only thing that's going to make you bulky is a calorie surplus. So if you're in a calorie deficit and you're weight training, what you're actually doing is maintaining muscle mass and potentially gaining a bit of muscle but it's a little bit harder to do when you're in a calorie deficit because like everything, you need energy to do these things. So you're actually gonna torch more body fat, okay, when you lift weights. So you're gonna build more muscle, and as I said at the start, more muscle equals burning more calories on a daily basis. Your muscles are gonna look more defined. So when someone comes to me and they say, I want to get toned, but I don't want to get bulky, and I give them weights and they're like, but I said I want to get toned. And I'm like, lift the weights. What I like to say to people straight off the bat and like maybe their answer is yes. And if you don't know me and you're listening to this, then you can look me up on Instagram or something. I'm like, am I bulky? <laughs> then they're like, no. I'm like, but I lift really heavy weights at least three times a week. Like, I I like got myself up to one and a half times my body weight in my deadlift recently and I I pretty much squat my own body weight. So I was like, am I bulky? And they're like, no. So I'm like, okay, well, there you go. That's calling a spade a spade. Will lifting weights make me bulky? No, calorie surplus is gonna make you bulky. So muscle definition is the combination of developed muscles with a low-ish body fat percentage. So as you gain muscle and lose fat, your muscle definition increases. So as I said, We're not focusing on the calorie burn when we're in the gym. We want to be focusing on building and maintaining muscle. And the way you're going to do that is by sticking to a plan and incorporating what's called progressive overload. Basically, you don't want to be going into the gym every single week doing the same thing, lifting the same weights. You're never going to build muscle or challenge the muscles if you're not progressively overloading. You're also going to strengthen your bones, by the way. Weightlifting doesn't only train your muscles, it trains your bones. So over time, your bones are going to become stronger and denser. And as I said at the start of this podcast, I am thinking about my body 20 years down the line. When I'm in the gym and I'm training now, I'm not just training for now. Yes, it helps my mental health. Yes it helps my physical health. Yes I feel great after it. Yes the aesthetics follows. But I'm also thinking when I'm 70 I want to still be going to the gym. I want to still be lifting weights. I want to still be hiking. I want to take up surfing. All these different things. I want to be able to do these without fear of breaking a bone every time I move when I'm older. So you're going to prevent injury as well by incorporating some sort of strength training. I say to dancers all the time the only thing I wish is that I started it sooner. I probably would have I had to deal with a lot less injuries in my dancing career and um, because you're strengthening the bones, you're strengthening the muscles, you're increasing your flexibility. You're also boosting your heart health. So I talked a little bit there about progressive overload and why it's important. Progressive overload means that you are continually increasing the demands on your muscles in order to make the gains in their strength, size, and endurance. So the harder you work them, the stronger they're going to become. So how are you going to do this? You're going to increase the weight, increase the sets, increase repetitions, increase the frequency of your training, maybe increase exercises, increase the intensity, or decrease your rest time. And please don't jump from plan to plan. Like, you want to be doing a plan for approximately six to eight weeks and progressively overloading every week instead of jumping in. There's no need to confuse your muscles like that's another thing that's bullshit like stick with a plan for six to eight weeks do the same exercises but challenge yourself week on week and then you're going to notice improvements and the last thing I'm going to talk about and I talked about it a bit before is niche activity and why it's so important so it's that energy expended for everything you do that's not sleeping or exercising I think there was some scientific study done actually recently or maybe not recently but they found that like leaner people actually fidgeted a lot more I'd have to look that up don't quote me on that one now but I remember hearing it somewhere so this is everything you do outside of exercises mowing the lawn taking the stairs like fidgeting as I said like all of these things burn more calories and these are the things that you should focus on day to day That are actually going to be where you should focus your calorie burn okay so park a little bit further from the door of the shop take the stairs and work all of these things you might not think are a big deal are actually a big deal when they all come together okay so a couple of things as i said walk and increase your steps work don't just sit there like if you have a job where you're sitting all day like set an alarm on your phone every hour and get up and do a couple of laps at of your office cleaning is another great way of incorporating more neat activity like taking the groceries home like can you walk a little bit further with them you're doing a little bit of strength training then take the stairs instead of the elevator Unless you're running some type of ultra marathon or ultra endurance event, the vast majority of your calorie burn on a daily basis is going to be attributed to your NEAT activity. We place too much emphasis on the structured training and we kind of negate what we're doing outside of that. If you want to affect weight loss in an effective way, increasing your NEAT activity is a good method to do so. So a couple of things before I finish up this has been a long podcast but this is literally if you can get your head around everything i've said and incorporate a couple of these things that i've said today i guarantee you your fat loss journey is going to be more enjoyable more sustainable and less praying for it to end (laughs) because it needs to become a lifestyle choice and not just a diet and exercise program and that is how it's going to be sustainable so the last thing I'm gonna to touch on here is to avoid the all or nothing mentality. Like when people begin these weight loss programs, they adopt the all or nothing mentality where they're either completely on it, and they're eating well, they're trained in five days a week, and then all of a sudden they're completely off it. And this approach does not work and nearly always ends up emotional, like with like negative feelings, and then people associate these kind of things with having a very negative experience. So people experience a slip up so to speak and then they wait for Magical Monday to come around again, to start again. Sometimes Magical Monday never comes and this just becomes a vicious cycle of I'm on it and I'm off it and I'm on it and I'm off it and I'm on it and I'm off it. If you can make a lifestyle change and be consistent like 80% of the time, This is how you're going to achieve great results and maintain them long term. Your focus needs to be on fueling your body with whole natural foods most of the time and then knowing you can always have something left in the bank to be able to go out for dinner, enjoy a treat without feeling guilty about it. That way it becomes less of a diet and more of a lifestyle change. So a great tip when it comes to finding consistency with your training and your nutrition is to plan things out at the weekend for the week coming if you know you've absolutely no time on a monday don't commit to doing things on a monday and make things fit into your schedule and as i said before think of the big picture like i think if you grew up around the time that i grew up like we all have this horrible association with diet starts Monday mentality. And we'd be starving ourselves Monday to Friday and then we binge all weekend and then we're back on it Monday and we do the same again and we're not seeing results and we're getting frustrated. I beg you, get your head to understand energy balance. Okay, that's number one. The next thing you need to do is stop putting such a focus on the weekdays and start focusing on what are these things at the weekend because they're probably the things that are stalling your progress. And the last thing is, if everything is way too overwhelming and you genuinely do need help and support in this area, hire a coach. And this is not me saying hire me. I'm saying find someone who you resonate with and hire them. That is what they're there for. And they will help you in ways that you never even imagined. Like most of the time I get messages back from my clients saying, you actually talked me off the edge today, Narissa," Or you're actually like a life coach half the time. Because what a coach is able to do is be someone who's not emotionally involved in your life and they're able to give you advice as someone who is not going to be affected by the decisions you make. And that's a really important part of coaching along with accountability. So on that note, this might not have been the most riveting of podcasts, but it's one that I needed to, for want of a better word, get out of the way because It's one that I wish I had to listen to back years ago when I thought all these fad diets were the reason why I was dropping body fat. If I just understood the concepts in this podcast, I would have saved myself a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of hardship. (laughs) So with that in mind, if you like this podcast, please like it, please subscribe, please rate it on Spotify or apple Podcasts, and please let me know if you enjoyed it either dm me on instagram or send me a message on whatsapp or an email i would love to get your feedback and as always i am so grateful for everyone who takes the time to listen to me harp on for potentially i think this one is going to be over an hour so i hope you listened on 1.2 or 1.5 speed so i did not take up an hour of your day i hope you have a fabulous day sending you lots of love